On the show today, we want to discuss social media and its impact on American culture. And we will also be getting back to our Bible topic, which is still in Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin. There's a lot of angles to sin that need discussing, and we want to discuss all of them. So let's get to it. Oh, sorry. I was just uh, looking at something there on Twitter. Uh, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're very glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're new, we like to always make sure we get it out up front and early that we ourselves are not religionless. This show is not religionless. Uh, we're very Christian. The show is very Christian. Uh, but it's in fact the world and especially this country that we're in that's becoming very secular, very religionless, if you would. So that is at least in part where the name comes from. But we're going to do today what we try to do every Saturday, and that's just, you know, find some news stories from around the world that we think are of importance to Christians that we can discuss from a, you know, Christian biblical worldview and try to help each other live a life that's pleasing to Christ. That's the goal. And I think we got a good story here to discuss, two good stories, kind of on the same topic. But before we get to all of that, is there anything you'd like to say? Any prayer requests? Any praise reports? Um, Yeah, just continue to pray for our outreach on Halloween that our church is doing um, in our church parking lot. Not a trunk or treat thing, but just kind of like some games and we're going to get down to the a game that is questions, you know, about the commandments and um, just kind of getting to the point for people to see that they've sinned against God and um, give them the answer to that problem, uh, what to do about it, what must I do to be saved. Um, so it's kind of neat how it's set up. Uh, so I pray, just pray that uh, the weather would cooperate and that God would prepare the hearts of the people um, who might be hearing the gospel for the first time, that he would bring people um, to those who are going to preach it. So, Yep, we call it Test for Treats. Uh, I guess they've been doing it for a long time. One of the men from our church started it kind of in his home. He's been doing it for 15 years. And, you know, he said it's always pretty well received. People enjoy it. Um, although he's like, it is kind of interesting once you get people kind of alone, you bring up the Ten Commandments. It's amazing how many people don't even know what those are anymore. And he's like, but once you start pointing out to them, like, you've broken that commandment, right? And he's like, people react differently. You know, some people just, you know, they don't care. Some people just shut down, just walk mm -hmm. away like they don't want to hear it. So uh, he's been doing it for a while. It's our first time. It should be pretty interesting. Looking forward to it. So still need to get my costume. Not sure. I thought about getting the Martin Luther costume, which I think is a good costume to have. Although I've had the concern that, you know, we're in New Mexico. It's kind of a heavy Catholic environment. And I don't know if that would just make it more contentious, I guess, if you're mm -hmm. talking to people who are potentially Catholic about the Protestant Reformation. I don't know. I don't want to make that the sticking point. 
Although I guess at the end of the day, if you don't know what the Ten Commandments are, odds are you don't know who Martin Luther is or right. even what Protestantism versus Catholicism is at the end of the day. So who knows? I don't have a costume yet, so we'll have to figure that out. Maybe I'll go as Jared Goff, the future Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, but <laughs> pray for us also um, this weekend. We are at the Claris Conference. And the Claris Conference happens once a year here in Albuquerque. And there's always different topics. This year, they are discussing Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, Friday, Saturday, and bleeds a little over into Sunday. But we'll be attending that and pretty excited about that. So I uh, just pray that the conference would go well, um, that we would learn a great deal. It's nice to know the main speaker at this year's conference is Thomas Schreiner, who is the gen or he is the gentleman who wrote the book that is kind of the main book for my Old Testament studies that I'm going through this this semester at the Masters. Uh, I think it's called The King and His Beauty. It's kind of a um, biblical theology of the Old Testament. Pretty good read. So that's kind of interesting to go and listen to him live and in person. So just pray that that conference would go well. I'm looking forward to that. And then the second prayer request. Oh, and also pray if this conference is anything like previous conferences. I haven't been to many, but you know, went to Puritan's conference last year and pray for my wallet that I don't just buy every single book that's going to be there and come home with a new stack of books I'll never, ever get to. So pray for me there. Please, please pray about that. <laughs> and in the vein of conferences, um, a praise report, uh, I don't know if I'd mentioned this before, but um, Shepherd's Conference, you know, comes up every year in Los Angeles. Never gone to it, of course, but now that I go to the Masters, which is where the conference is held, you know, I had a discussion with the gentleman that leads our small group on Wednesday about going. He mentioned the church elders were all going together and brought it up to them. Well, they basically invited me and they bought my plane tickets to go out there, which is a huge blessing. So it uh, looks like I'll be going in March to the Shepherds Conference for the first time. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so just praise God that they were kind enough to um, bless me in that way. And again, pray that that would be beneficial to my soul and to my walk of faith as well as we go out there. I told him, you know, it's kind of, I felt odd going because the Shepherds Conference is a pastor's conference. That's the reason it, it exists. And I'm not a pastor. And so I always didn't, I guess, didn't think I belonged going there yet. You know, I kind of was like, once I become a pastor, but then, you know, they extended it to the students of the seminary. So I thought, well, I guess they want me there. So I should mm -hmm. try to go. So that's what we're going to do come March. So that's good. And then the last prayer request is a big prayer request. Um, so please pray for us. We met this week with our pastor, um, to sit down and discuss the potential of staying in Albuquerque after I retire and, you know, mentoring uh, at Heritage Christian Fellowship, where we go to church, um, finishing my seminary degree there, mentoring there. And, you know, potentially that could, you know, if the way I go to school stays the same, that could be many, many years uh, at this point. So 
I do ask that you would just pray for us this week. We're meeting with the rest of the eldership at the church to sort of discuss what the future would look like for us there if we decided to stay um, as far as being mentored first and foremost, um, but then just opportunities to serve and grow with the church and all that sort of stuff that would come along with it. And this is a big prayer request because for the last, you know, 19 years, we've done nothing but move. We've done nothing but go to, I mean, every three years, every three years yeah. you know, we're on the move. And now the thought of sticking around in a place for the next, you know, seven to 10 years or for the rest of our life is a big deal for us. And it's certainly one we didn't think we'd be having. You know, the goal was always Alaska. We were always going to retire to Alaska. We even would think, oh, maybe Michigan or anywhere else but New Mexico. We have never discussed. Yeah. And I may even have to wind up repenting to you guys because we've talked just recently on this podcast about getting out of these godless um, states, which New Mexico and its leadership is certainly one of them. But, you know, our hearts are turning. We have an opportunity for ministry that mm -hmm. we feel is almost providential, you know, in the place that we found ourselves at the time we found ourselves. And, you know, we don't want to, I guess, just dismiss this great opportunity for whatever the dream of Alaska might be that may never turn into what we actually think it would be. Um, we have a golden opportunity here. So, just pray mm -hmm. for us, you know, that God would give us some clarity and, um, you know, bring us some peace of mind, if you will, in our hearts that, you know, it's hard to even sitting here to consider Albuquerque, New Mexico is that's our home. But the people here are great. Our church is awesome. The leadership is great. Um, so we don't necessarily want to just dismiss that. Um, mm -hmm. So please be in prayer for us there. Um, do you have any other prayer requests before we roll into our plugs and get this show officially started? I was just going to suggest maybe not show the video you're going to show because it's kind of... I will surprising. blur it out a little bit. Okay. I wanted to show it only make the case that we're not lying and just making up a video. Um, but yeah, I, I, well, and we'll show the video here in a second. We don't recommend you watch it. Um, and that's kind of the whole point of this episode. We don't recommend you watch any of it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we'll get these plugs out of the way and then we'll get rolling with the, uh, the show and the video. So you guys know um, we're big fans of Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Uh, the world's crazy. It's only getting crazier, which means the world needs Christ as much now as it ever has. But it's becoming, you know, increasingly more and more dangerous to take Christ to the world. Um, so we still need to take his name to the nations, but we can do it smartly. We can do it well prepared. And that's what Cardinal exists for. Uh, they can help make sure your missionary teams or just you and your spouse when you're traveling abroad Make sure you're safe. Make sure you're well-prepared for whatever life happens to throw at you. Um, Cardinal is the place you want to go to get that training. So just reach out to them with an email, uh, a phone call, and see what they have to offer. Um, I think you'll be blessed. I think it'll be beneficial to you, whether, again, that's a ministry or just a, a family. I think you'll be um, blessed by what they have to offer you. 
And then also, we are proud members of the Christian Podcast Community, uh, which is a great place where you can go and find, you know, 50 to 60 good Christian podcasts, um, all more indie, if you will, less, you know, Father Mike reads through the Bible in a year. Um, And it's just from a whole host of different topics. Subscribe to one feed, you get all the episodes, so it's a a great way to kind of, you know, again, get... 60 good podcasts without having to subscribe to 60 podcasts, if you will. Mm -hmm. So go check out Christian Podcast Community. I think you'll be uh, happy you did. And then the last one here, the selfish plug, is if you guys want to help the show in any way, um, just consider dropping a like, subscribing, whatever platform you're on. If your podcast platform, you know, allows you to follow or to leave a review, please consider doing those things. They certainly help a lot in the you know the world we live in that's run by algorithms all that sort of stuff really helps us so consider doing that and then also uh, we do have some affiliate links down in the show notes you know if you're shopping this holiday season if you decide to use one of our affiliate links it doesn't cost you anything extra but it does help support the show um, there's a buy me a coffee link patreon link so um, also one of the things i didn't mention in our prayer request is and this is kind of a big part of making our decision to stay here. Um, I use the GI Bill to go to school right now. Pays for everything, which is a huge blessing. But the mentor model of staying in Albuquerque for school is not currently covered by the GI Bill. Which means we would have to pay for schooling ourselves. Until, hopefully, it gets covered by the GI Bill. We don't know if that's going to happen or not, so... We'd be paying for school on our own. So, you know, that's a pretty big consideration. So again, be in prayer there. But also, if you'd like to help make that dream come true, and maybe make that the reason you sign up as a patron. Either way, we'd be blessed by it. So that's how you can help the show. But all right, let's get this thing rolling with our discussion here. So what we wanted to discuss today was... The dangers, um, you know, I would guess that we're all sort of waiting in and we have been waiting in for a very long time when it comes to social media. Um, Nikki and I, or Nikki, I'm sorry, showed me this video this week. Um, It was just a quick YouTube short and it's on the screen. It'll be running if you guys are watching on YouTube, Facebook or Rumble. Um, We are blurring it out so you don't actually see. Um, the full video, we just want to make the case that we're not just making up a video. It's a real video that we watched. If you're on the podcast, you're just going to have to take our word for it or, you know, come watch us on YouTube. But, um, and I certainly prefer that you don't watch the video. Um, again, that's the whole reason why we're having this show. I don't want you to watch these awful grotesque videos. We just want to make the claim that what we're talking about is actually true. and We're not just making it up. But the video is of a young man, uh, not really sure of the age, you can't really see him in the video, but he's jaywalking, I guess. You know, he's kind of running across what looks like heavy traffic, like a three-lane road, some heavy traffic. He passes by the first two lanes, but as he gets to the third lane, a truck going pretty fast hits him like dead on and just sends him flying down the road, skidding across the concrete or the asphalt. Um, Not sure if the man lived or died. I'd be shocked if he was alive, I guess. 
But either way, he's got to be in terrible shape after getting hit by a full-size truck. Um, but the video isn't the point. The comments are the point. And that's what Nikki brought up to me when she first saw the video. She's like, can't believe what people are saying on this video. And, you know, as you read through the comments, it's overwhelmingly critical of the man, you know, joking in a sense about what happened to him. You know, basically just calling the guy a moron. You know, a lot of the comments were like, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You know, one of the commenters mentioned, I hope the truck is okay. <laughs> and then another one just pretty plainly said, that's why we have crosswalks. I feel no pity for that guy. Just a dude could have just died on screen. Be shocked if he wasn't dead. And all the comments, they're just jokes, right? It's just cracking jokes. The man's a moron. Um, and again, that's almost common parlance anymore in our country. Everybody's an idiot. Everybody's a moron. Everybody's stupid. Everybody, it doesn't matter what it is, right? I mean, we do this in almost every sphere. You know, makes me think back to, you know, Donald Trump as president. Oh, I don't like his politics. The guy's an idiot. He's a moron. And you're like... He's like a billionaire with businesses in every major city around the world. He's an idiot. And you're like, okay, I guess just every average idiot has billion dollar companies around the so world. I what's so shocking and with the comments, like it's one thing to think those heartless things, but the shamelessness in actually typing it out, that's, I guess that's what's, what's really standing out to me because people can think things, but the boldness in saying something so heartless just for all to see and that so many people did the same thing. Um, and I just was thinking on, I should have like brought up putting like the conformity um, videos up too that me and Holly were watching um, how people just act a certain way or say certain things, do certain things if the majority of others are doing it. The impact um, the majority has on those who might otherwise have conviction or not want to partake into something. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of these videos. There are these tests done, um, a group test where everybody is in on it except the one person. Um, they think they're there for some other kind of test. And in one of the videos, um, everybody in this like clinic in the waiting room or whatever it was supposed to be would stand up when a like a sound went off, like a, a beep or something. Everybody would just stand up. And the person that was, you know, being tested was like, what are you guys doing? And over time, every time they, they just started standing up with everybody else. Nobody like they didn't know why they were just conforming. No reason you'd stand up when you hear a beep and then sit back down. And there was another one that was just more serious where it was, um, you know, people were in some room for an interview or whatever it was. And the one person, you know, wasn't in on the, the test. There's smoke, you know, fake smoke coming under the door and nobody's moving. They're just like, oh, whatever, just smoke coming under the door. And, and then there was one person who's like, yeah, we got to go. Like they were about to leave. Um, and everybody convinced the person to stay by just saying, oh no, the, 
The person who's doing the interviews told us to wait here. We can't get up and leave. They're coming back. And they sat back down. Like, they, that person almost got away, but they were convinced to stay. Like, the crazy things we do because everybody else is just doing it. So I just thought that fits well kind of with our society, with our with our topic today. And, like, you wouldn't be the person to make that heartless comment if everybody else had a heart and was concerned for the person. I think because everybody else is so heartless, it makes everybody else think the same way. Like it, like sin is like a disease. It infects us. And yeah, I mean, that's of course infects us. I mean, this is why, you know, and the American church has failed in this respect greatly. I mean, when Paul tells us to get these people out of our churches, to separate, to not even have meals Mm -hmm. with these people, um, until they're repentant, because sin affects um, all those around you. And yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing if you want to, you know, don't watch social media, but the conformity videos and stuff like that is real eye-opening, and social media has conformed us into being largely pretty heartless people. Just how um, we view life, how we view people in, in their situations, and just made us very judgmental. Yeah, and that's kind of the big point of this video. You know, all of this sort of stuff, these comments got us thinking about just how hard our hearts um, have become and how disconnected we really have become from what it means to be human, Mm -hmm. it seems like, in our society today. You know, social media has turned real life into basically little more than like a video game. It's all just content for us to watch from a distance. And what we see is it almost is no longer real. Mm-hmm. You know, to think that you can just watch a young man for whatever reason, right? We don't know the reason the guy was running across the road. Uh, maybe his child was getting taken out of his car across the street mm-hmm. and he was running to rescue his kid. We don't know. Um, but to think you could watch a young man run across the road and possibly die in broad daylight for whatever the reason is, and we have no compassion, no empathy. It's just another post to crack a joke about. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty scary what it says about our society. Um, Because this video is not unique. You know, it's it's all videos. Find other videos just like it with very similar comments. Oh, I'm I'm certain. I would be stunned. The harder thing to find would be to see a video like this where the overwhelming majority was compassionate and empathetic. That would be the diamond in the rough there, the needle in the haystack. To find a video like this where everyone's cracking jokes is very common. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I think I was shocked. I've never, I've seen like car crash videos, but I've never seen a video of a person get hit by a vehicle. I know they're out there, um, but I, I remember a time where those things weren't shared publicly. Um yeah, like we almost used to have governing bodies that wouldn't allow you to just show dead people on yeah. screen. Not anymore. Like you would see a video and it would be, well, maybe somebody got hurt, but they didn't die. But then the videos where people do die. And I believe that guy did, in the comments, somebody said, yeah, he died four hours later after taking the I'd hospital. be shocked if he didn't. But there was a video just recently um, about two young kids. And they were filming on, you know, their own. And they were just joking. I don't remember what the the context was it or was about it, but they were just casually like driving down the street and some guy was riding his bike and they just 
swerved over and ran the dude over on his bike and killed the guy just for like social media content. That was the whole purpose of it. What? Um, so it's all, I think, part of the same thing, right? Like uh, hearts that have become hardened, disconnected from real life. It's all just content. And, you know, Nikki and I, born in the 80s, we grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. And all the talk at that time was how, you know, video games are making kids prone to violence or like numb to violence. And, you know, maybe some of that was true, probably was, you know, but video games can't hold a candle to what social media has turned our hearts into. I agree. Yeah. Because like everything on social media, it's all just content to consume and it all blurs together. And in a sense, it just becomes the same thing. It's just mm -hmm. entertainment, you know, and in the way it's blurred together is almost even more damaging because, you know, you go on YouTube shorts or TikTok, whatever happens to be. And, you know, you're scrolling and there's a silly cat video. He's climbing on the counter or, you know, smacking somebody with his paw and you laugh and then the next video, you know, it's a husband and a wife playing a prank on each other and you just laugh. And then the next video you scroll through and oh, it's a young man gets hit by a truck and dies in broad daylight. Well, and then you scroll to the next video and it's somebody showing you how to cook a delicious dessert, right? Like it's all just the same at that point. It's all just mixed together. Like you don't know how to, to like recognize your emotions, like all your emotions, you react the same way when it's like that you just just scroll into the next thing or you know it could be something serious we can easily ignore it and pretend it's not real and just nope I want to be entertained I'm gonna ignore that and it's not real at that point it's just oh that's not entertaining scroll oh that dessert doesn't look good scroll like it's just moment by moment it's all simply amusement it's all simply entertainment the dead man at that point becomes no different than the prank between the husband and a wife, no different than the dessert that looks delicious or not. It's just something that simply exists to entertain you for three seconds, and then you're on to the next clip. Mm -hmm. Like, what has happened to us as a society and as a people that's allowed ourselves to be entertained by this? It's horrifying i think mm -hmm. to look at ourselves from sort of the twenty thousand you know foot view at what's happened to us because again this video is not unique this video is any video that you find they're all the same um and this leads me into the next story that i wanted to talk about uh because i think it, it fits perfectly it's right in the same vein do you want to read this headline honey commentary through our phones, we're gazing into hell. The horror of the past week has been so visceral and omnipresent that it seeps into your bones. The latest war between Israel and Gaza shows the possibilities of vendetta and propaganda in the digital age. It burns images into the human psyche that are impossible to forget. I implore you, however, put down the phone and stop watching. There's an argument, I suppose, that we must not look away from evil, but often this is peddled by people who want to garner revenue per click. Yeah, so, you know, much like the clip of the young man being hit by the truck, you know, we've kind of made watching war 
you know, again, little more than just consuming content to entertain for a time. Again, before we're on to the next clip, you know, we're watching entire neighborhoods be blown up, uh, you know, in attacks. Dozens of people are killed and it turns into little more than a fireworks show. You know, it's just, oh, look at that explosion. Oh, there goes a whole building. Wow, that's, you know, crazy. I think because nothing really happens to us. We just watch it happen to everybody else. So it seems like it's not real because we're just so comfortable in America. We don't really experience these things. We're so comfortable. We're like, no, that's a fairy tale. That isn't, that's not real life. That, so that's just entertainment. Again, which is true in a sense. And it should make us realize the immense blessings that God has poured out on our nation, that we are so safe and comfortable in this nation, but it doesn't. It doesn't drive us to our knees and praise and thank you to God that we're able to live in such comfort. Um, it just, again, our hearts have been, become hardened. We're watching people die on a grand scale, and it's just, it's fireworks. It's entertainment. It's here now, gone in a moment, on to the next one, and it's not real. We have no compassion. We have no empathy. Again, we're not being driven to our knees when we see stuff like this in prayer that, you know, God would bring peace on earth, that um, those that are afflicted would be rescued, any of that sort of stuff. It's just content, you know, something at most to, you know, go and repost ourselves about, you know, maybe if you're really compassionate, you'll throw the sad face emoji uh, up there on there to let everyone know just how touched you are. Um, but they, we're on to the next clip, right? We're on to the next one, watching whatever the next stupid clip happens to be. Um, you know, but in light of this kind of this article here, the wars and stuff like war is hell. War is awful. But we just make a regular practice of consuming this hellish content. And again, it's simply for our pleasure. You know, we're becoming people that don't value life, it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, we don't understand death, I would guess, um, and the impacts that it really has around you and all these different cultures. It's all just enjoyment for us. You know, it made me think like we are the Roman patrons and social media is our Colosseum. We show up for an afternoon. Right, bring the Christians out, feed them to the lions, just make sure they're done before lunch because we got plans later in the day. Right, we got to get to Starbucks, got to get off to you know the kids to soccer practice, whatever happens to be. Just make sure the Christians are eaten before lunch so I can get out of here. Uh, I don't know what the difference is between packing a coliseum to watch a bunch of gladiators hack each other's heads off and what we do on social media on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know what the big difference is. Um, but there's still more in this article. Do you want to read this next paragraph? He says, I tried to make some journalistic sense over the weekend of what was happening to separate facts from rumors. I saw videos I hope no one else will ever witness. There is a moment when wanting to be informed becomes consuming gore. Yeah, and... I think maybe at the best of times, these are the lies that we tell ourselves. Like, well, I'm just staying informed. I got to know what's happening in Israel and Gaza. I, you know, I don't want to fall behind. I got to make sure I'm up to date with, you know, what's happening in the world around us. Um, but that's not true, right? 
you're just being entertained by the news, by social media. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, Israel and Gaza is little more than saving Private Ryan. You know, it's a movie in the people's lives, um, you know, that are involved in it. They aren't necessarily real to us, unless maybe you're one of the few that has somebody over there um, that you might know. But outside of that person, I would imagine it's not overly real to you. Um, Again, it's just entertainment. It's almost, I think, to the point of like professional athletics. Like, yeah, we know that, you know, the NFL players are real. They're real people in a sense, but they're there for our entertainment. So, I mean, you know, you watched DeMar Hamlin last year die on the field for a few moments before he's revived. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's crazy. And like, wait, so they're canceling the whole game? That's not right. The game in like, sure, DeMar Hamlin's a real guy, but like also the game, you know, it's all, it's like, Sure, it's real, but it's not that real that it should mess up my entertainment. It's like when you're in traffic because there was a horrible accident and you're only thinking about you're stuck in the traffic. And we're all guilty of that. It's the same thing. How does this affect me, though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, no crying out to God for the lives of the people that are in there and all those sorts of things. It's just... It's affecting me. And not even in a serious way. Yeah. Um, Do you want to read this next paragraph here? This is a short article, but I think it's really good and informative. Mm -hmm. Digital war is now our reality. This is real-time combat footage, unlike anything we've witnessed before. To be fair, it didn't start in Gaza and southern Israel. Former fans of the now-defunct LiveLeak website watched horror videos from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan for years. The past two years of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine have provided seemingly infinite videos of drone warfare and hand-to-hand combat. It seems like a GoPro is standard gear for soldiers worldwide. Why are we drawn to these awful glimpses into bloodshed? Are our modern lives so dull that we're pulled to the grizzly like moths to the flame? Yeah, and I don't think it's dullness. I don't think the Mm -hmm. reason why we're pulled to it is dullness. I think it's quite the opposite. And he goes on to basically say what I think is the real case in the very next paragraph. He says, in the digital world, safe and secure in Western opulence, we can watch macabre videos as we eat our breakfast. And I think that's far more the case. It's opulence. It's comfort. It's health and wealth, right? Death. Oddly enough, though it affects everyone, it almost seems far from us here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we live in a nation, again, blessed by God, though we don't recognize it anymore. We have comfortable jobs that largely pay us plenty of money. We're the richest people in the history of the world. I mean, our lives are almost automated at this point with all the technology around us. So we wind up just living our lives, it seems like, through memes, through GIFs, through five-second clips. You know, we just observe the world around us through clickbait headlines, 280-word, you know, tweets, if you will. You know, everything's just here now, gone in a moment. It doesn't matter. It just is there to serve our entertainment purposes. And I think that's just a um, result of our opulence. You know, it, again, it doesn't really affect us. It doesn't touch us in a real way. 
So it's just there to amuse us like everything else. And everything people see now, like even with that video with the man getting hit, some people commented that it was fake. And I don't know. Maybe like, that it, helps we do sleep live, better at night. I don't I know. Guess. But I mean, we live in a time where we have a lot of, you know, edited videos. Um, so some people maybe for their comfort. I don't know. Like, why would you think it's all fake? You know, I mean, it didn't look fake, but it certainly didn't look fake to me. We know that real things are on the internet. Yeah, no, of course. Um, but then he goes on in this paragraph, he says, this is bad for our souls. Watching this violence affects us on a spiritual level. I know discussing spirituality is verboten in tech journalism, which I guess this guy was a tech journalist. He says, but it's, it's as real as algorithms and AI. Guarding yourself from evil is imperative for humans. And this is pure, raw evil. He's obviously speaking of war. Yeah, he says, you aren't absorbing, absorbing news. You're watching snuff films. And then he ends the article down here saying, better yet, put down your phone. Hang out with your kids and spouse. Go outside. Go play with your dog. Literally anything besides being a powerless spectator to the apocalypse. And I thought that point, we're watching snuff films. I mean, that's you just watched a dude die on screen simply for your entertainment. You crack a joke and you're on to the cat video. I mean, what's the difference between that and, I mean, if you don't know what snuff films are, then good for you. God has blessed you in that way. Um, but I mean, we see videos of, uh, all the time, video on top of video of people being beaten and assaulted in the streets. And it's become far more common that you'll see all the bystanders just standing around filming the event so they can post it later or whatever, rather than doing anything to assist or put an end to whatever the conflict might be. You know, we're people anymore today is like, why would you... Let a little thing like somebody's physical well-being stop you from getting views on TikTok. That's far more important, right? You know, people need their entertainment. This video needs to be seen by the masses. I know. Just think about yourself in a life-threatening circumstance. Like you're in your car burning. And everyone around you is just recording it instead of helping you. Like this is a scary society to be in. Yeah, you're like, I hope I... I cause people to crack some jokes about me as my skin crisps and I die in this burning car. <clears throat> no, you wish somebody would help you. But we're a society that doesn't really do that anymore. Our hearts yeah. have become hardened towards that. Um, you know, our content game is far too important. Um, it's shameful. And again, you know, a lot of the mindset too with it. I mean, again, I would say it's almost like the snuff film mentality. Like I didn't kill the person on there. I'm just filming it. You know, I didn't beat the man in the street. I was just filming it. I mean, you're, you're playing a part in it. Um, and not a good part because you're not being helpful. Uh, so it's, it's crazy. Um, it's saddening. And just watching this video, man, really really messed with my mind and I think it's the reason why I wanted to talk about it. And so what should Christians do about it? You know, that's kind of the way we always like to discuss these topics. Uh, or I'm sorry, why is this important to Christians? That's usually how we like to look at this. And I think it's important to Christians because it affects us just the same, obviously. Um, 
I would say for Christians as well, social media, it's, it isn't real um, to us, but it consumes us, which is bizarre. You know, we're consumed with something that no longer has kind of a connection to reality. And I, it makes me think of just on our social media, like how many prayer requests you see on whatever your given social media site is, prayer requests for all sorts of things, and you just sort of breeze past them anymore. It's just ho-hum, right? It's just another person asking for prayer, no big deal. But if this was real life, you know, if whoever it was on your social media um, actually walked up to you and asked you if you would pray, my son, my daughter, they're sick, they're hurt, whatever it happens to be, like, I'm certain most people would have the compassion to be moved and would pray for a person. Um, but on social media, it's just not important. It's not real. It's just another post, and it's probably too long to read, so I'm just going to move on. I don't even care about it, right? Um, almost becoming hardened towards that in a spiritual sense, right? And, you know, I think as, you know, we as Christians kind of partake in this evil, um, I think it's something we need to consider, right? Because um, we partake in it just as much as anyone. And that's certainly not good for our souls. We should not be um, allowing this sort of stuff into our mind. We're supposed to guard our minds against this sort of stuff. Um, so that's obviously bad. But then you just pile on top of that all of the just general time wasting that social media is. So much time is just wasted through the day. Um, and I like to tell my kids all the time, and I think it's true, it just makes your brain soft. It just dulls your senses, dulls your wits. Um, you're just watching the next shiny, colorful object. I mean, think about if you, you know, we obviously make YouTube videos and things like that. If you watch how to grow on YouTube or any of those sorts of videos, almost like the number one thing is the thumbnail. You got to make, you know, some bright, colorful thumbnail that grabs your attention in a minute because if it doesn't, then they're just on to the next shiny, right? The next colorful objects. I mean, if you look at Mr. Beast, if you will, let me see if I can pull up Mr. Beast, probably the biggest YouTuber in the world at this point. Mm. And go and see what Mr. Beast video thumbnails have in common. Um, they're just all, you know, colorful. He makes some big, you know, Mm -hmm. gaudy smiling face um whatever it is right because this grabs your attention in an instant <gasps> eat here get ten thousand dollars Woo! i'm gonna go watch a mr beast video 190 million views wow 170 million views about free food um it's staggering wow 221 million views yeah uh, i adopted I every dog in a shelter great. My, wow. my soul is enriched. Um, you know, 190 million views to eat the world's largest bowl of cereal. And again, nothing against Mr. Beast. He's unlocked, you know, the, he's the Midas touch of making YouTube videos, but it's the mind it's, it's that it's colorful, you know, big expressions. You've got to see this. And, you know, we are just as guilty of falling into that trap and 
again, that's why I think it's brain softening. It's not, you're just watching for the colorful object, right? The next shiny that draws your attention. Um, and so I think it's important for Christians, you know, um, watching this video and stuff, it made me think like, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? We weren't meant to consume this. I mean, God telling Adam and Eve to not eat from that tree was a kindness to them. We, like, we were being shielded in love by God from not knowing what evil was from this knowledge of evil. Um, hmm. And we as believers, we're told to do quite the opposite of what we generally find ourselves getting engaged in on social media. Um, the Apostle Paul, he tells us, let me see if I can pull it up here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Do you want to read that? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Yeah, is that our social media consumption? Is it honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? Maybe some of it, but a whole lot of it is the complete opposite of that. And I would say even when it falls into the vein of just the Mr. Beast type stuff, nothing necessarily evil or wrong about opening a restaurant that pays you to eat, but just throwing your time away, wasting your time. And I would say to the scale that most people are wasting their time on social media is drifting into the area of, I would say, I don't know if it's sin, but it's certainly um, unchristlike, I would say, to just be wasting our lives away on this nonsense. Um, because we shouldn't be, you know, we're told people in scripture, you know, we are to be meditating day and night on the word of God. That's what we should be meditating on. That's what we should be filling our minds with. But by and large, you know, when you look at surveys, scripture reading on a day to day basis, that's dwindling. Social media usage is increasing. So we're not even, you know, doing what we're commanded to do by and large. So again, I think this does affect Christians. It is important to Christians. Um, because even the supposed religious stuff that we see on our social media is a lot of hostility, you know? Um, and again, it kind of breeds you to do that. It teaches you, like Nikki was saying, to conform to that almost. Um, I don't know how many times in just the past two weeks or whatever, I've read or I've seen videos that, you know, you aren't Christians if you don't support the Palestinians. And then you aren't Christian if you don't support Israel. And then there's, you know, the you aren't Christian if you don't support the LGBTQ community. And then you aren't Christian if you do support the LGBTQ uh, community. So, like, according to social media, nobody's Christian anymore um, unless you support whatever. And then you're not Christian by another group, like, which is all unchristlike. We're to be loving, compassionate people, people that look to lead others to Christ. And social media has made, even many Christians just hateful, unforgiving, mm -hmm. we're rigid, and we're people that are by and large pushing people away from Christ rather than drawing them to Christ. And that's a problem that Christians are engaged in.
So what should we do about it? Um, and man, you know, I don't know. You know, this is really where we're um, hoping to get some help from you guys. You know, I'm not entirely sure what you do about this anymore uh, because this is the world that we live in, you know, and it's not going to be changed overnight. Social media isn't going anywhere because anytime you want soon. To stay informed in what's going on in the world, but you do that because every news article, wherever you get it, there's the comment section and you learn how to think about it from the comments. You learn how your emotions should be. Um, like we're being taught, even as adults, our minds are conforming. We know little kids, you know, it's easier to shape them. But even as it, it's like social media is like this power to shape our minds that's people's minds haven't been shaped like this ever. Well, you it's think people get stuck in their ways when they're like 40 and they're never going to change. But I've seen people change drastically um, through social media. Yeah, because I mean, we live in a world where our news media is, they're just liars, right? It's not news, it's narrative. So you know that you read news and you're like, okay, well, I know that that's what they want me to think. So then you're like, well, let me go and, you know, whatever, read comments. Or, I mean, I even think about it from just product standpoints. I mean, every product is being marketed to you, which is generally being, you know, lied and numbers are being twisted. I mean, I like computers, so I, I watch a lot of computer content and tech content. And every, you know, computer is the world's greatest, you know, fastest. And then you're like, okay, well, this is yeah. all garbage. So let me go and read a comment to see yeah. what real people actually think. You're like, okay, yeah, it's just average it's just what it always has been anything you look up it's going to be like the best of whatever like you look up a recipe this is the best yeah chocolate chip cookie recipes so i like, just well, found the that best one. this or that and you're like no you just wanted to make a video that got views so you <laughs> called it the best like so yeah i mean you're fine you're in this difficult spot you know the news is trying to steer you in a direction so you're trying to get understand some truth about it but then you're reading from people whose hearts have been hardened and turned like it's tough, right? So this is the world we live in. It's not going to change anytime soon. The internet's not going away anytime soon. So how do we handle it? So my question for you is, how have you handled it in your own life if you've been successful at this? Um, because many aren't, even though I think, especially if you know, you're godly people, you might see the errors and you might, you know, it's almost like all sin, you know, you recognize a problem. And you fight back, you know, you pray, you repent, but you kind of get drugged back and back into it over and over again. And it's like you're, and that's kind of the way we overcome sin is these constant fights and you gain some ground, you lose some ground, but over time. So how have you been successful? I, I'm desperate to know, you know, both because Nikki and I aren't absolved from this. We find ourselves, obviously, Nikki came across the video somehow, right? because she was watching whatever it was, YouTube shorts or something. So we're there. We're not obviously, you know, pointing the finger at anybody. This is affecting us just the same. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have a YouTube channel and a podcast where we look at the news of the world around us from a Christian perspective. So we're seeing the news around us. It is weird because of the algorithm. 
I think it was a Facebook reel. I don't know. It could have been YouTube. But anyway, like the algorithm, the things I watch, I watch a lot of baking things. Um, so it's kind of weird that a video like that would have popped up anyway. I don't know. Like if you click on some one little thing that's off from your usual topic, then you're going to start getting things similar to that. But I thought, I never watched anything this extreme. Well, and I think the algorithms are smart enough to know that you know, they show you what's popular or, you know, hey, here's 90% of what you like to watch, but let me offer you some things that you don't like and maybe you'll yeah. like this or that. So I think it does try to steer you in, in some of those directions. I mean, again, I still get Mr. Beast videos on like my YouTube, you know, uh, suggestions or whatever on the homepage. I've never watched a Mr. Beast video in my life. Well, our kids do. Yeah, they do. But also <laughs> too, like, it would make sense for YouTube to be like, Hey, here's a video that got 200 million views. You might enjoy it too, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. But so how do you handle this? That's what we're desperate to know. We've got teenage kids. Um, we're obviously living in the same culture um, because, you know, on one hand, um, again, like Nikki said, you can't really escape it. You do at some level, you know, hey, I want to know what's going on in the world around me. So I look at the news but how much of that is honest I guess desiring to know what's going on in the world around you as opposed to just like a habit that you have now at this point to go and scan through some headlines. Like, What's our main reason for having every form of social media, every app that we have? Like, I don't use Instagram. I have it. I have a couple people on there that I follow, but I don't even really check it. Maybe like once a month, but I don't really care for Instagram. I don't get on Twitter. Like, I just have Facebook. And I'll watch some YouTube videos sometimes, but I don't, I don't need them. Like I got rid of Facebook before and then I got it again because we started the podcast, but we share it now, but I was fine without it. I went like three or four months without a Facebook. I was really happy, <laughs> probably more productive. Um, like we can do it. I don't know. I like having the connection that there's like that part where you like to have that connection with people. But at the same time, I know we've talked about before how it kind of distances you from people that you had a closer connection with because you you just glance at each other's lives now instead of actually picking up the phone and calling the person and having that more intimate relationship, that fellowship. Now everything's surface level. Um, I don't know. I don't see, I don't know. What's the main reason? What do you think the main hold is? And we want to stay informed. Like I, we've grown a lot, obviously watching or listening to sermons, um, stuff like that. There's good in it all that you can grow in, but then the bad just jumps in your face and you're drawn to it. Right. And that's another one of the big problems with it is that, and it's almost like you talked about with the conformity thing, you get sort of drug into the mud from time to time, even when you may not intentionally want to go in, you know, into that, you may see a post and you just think, no, this is so wrong. Like, I have to say something. Mm. You don't have to say anything. But then you wind up, you know, in these sort of arguments. And, you know, I wonder what the number is of friendships that have been strengthened through simple social media friendships, as opposed to like face-to-face -face interactions. You know, you think of those people that you grew up with, the family friends that you don't see anymore, but you just kind of follow them on Facebook yeah, or whatever. Family, yeah. Have those relationships been strengthened or have you 
begun to think worse about those people just based on their posts and different things like that. You know, I'd be interesting, interested yeah. to know about that because you see their life and what they do on social media where you probably wouldn't see that face to face. Um, I would ge- I would generally guess that more of them have gotten more strained than mm-hmm. strengthened over time. I've only had one positive thing really from social media, and it was Matt sharing the true gospel with me. Stranger through a Christian group, but, but that's again, a so- miracle. That's the rarest thing. I don't know who's ever had their faith challenge and from the, you know, to stop believing, you know, prosperity gospel and living lukewarm, cheap grace. Like I quit all that. It's a miracle of God. Like, you know, God used social media. Right. And, you know, so that's kind of that position that we're in, right? Because it's not going away. And to some degree, yeah, I mean, we have, we do watch the sermons and we do have the groups and things like that. So it it's not entirely bad. We're right. not making the case that all of social media is from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. But how do you deal with the good and try to reject the bad that's so often injected into it mm-hmm. because it is? And you know, like Nikki said, I'm watching cooking videos, cooking videos, a dude just died. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> Why am I seeing this? It affects our soul and it has to affect our soul. Yeah. So what do you guys do? You know, that's what I want to know. Cause you know, one of the suggestions is, you know, you can just take social media off your phone, which I think is a smart suggestion because that will Get prevent you from just kind of the casual, just droning away. Mm-hmm. What I would consider the sort of brain softening that social media is when you're just sitting there, just, oh, I got five minutes to burn. I'm just scrolling through. It's just senseless. Yeah. Um, you know, if you make your social media time a little bit more deliberate, you know, when you're sitting down at your computer, whatever it happens to be, that's a more deliberate than just scrolling through on your phone. And then also you're more engaged in the world. Um, you know, you're not just the family that's sitting around the table at Applebee's and the kids are on their iPads, the parents are on their phone waiting for their food to show up and no one talks. You're not that anymore, which I is know, a benefit yeah. for sure. And I notice when people are on whatever they're delving into on social media, you know, to be informed. A lot of people just want to talk about, oh, what's wrong with the world? What's really going on? And the politics and the the spiritual um, aspect behind it all. And it's like they can't even fellowship with you because their minds are stuck on that. And that's what their mind wants to keep talking about. It's like, can we just have normal life and not talk about constantly what the enemy is doing like can we like we just read that that verse think about what is lovely what is pure like you can't grow in a relationship with one another one another when all you're talking about is world issues all the time like you have to step away from it for your sanity even for your spiritual health to just focus on the blessings of god what is god doing that's good let's get our eyes our minds off what is the enemy doing and living in fear and anxiety, that's not healthy. And that could also be an angle of loving your neighbor as yourself, right? If you're steering your neighbor's mind into not being fixed on the heavenly, the good, but instead the evil and the, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sinful, then I would say maybe you're, you're not loving your, your neighbor quite the way you should, if you're dragging their mind into these dark places, because everything's, you know, of the evil one and this war, you know, like, 
let's focus on God for a little bit. Let's get our mind fixed on the things like Paul told un- us to fix our mind. Unbalanced. Mind. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, that's an option, right? Just get it off your phone. I think that's a big step and certainly one we should all try to do. And then there's obviously, you know, the more extreme where you could say, well, I'm just getting off it. I'm not using it anymore. I think that's certainly a smart decision, uh, although I don't think that that's true and real for everybody. Um, though I think if you got off of it entirely, I don't think you're missing anything. You're not going to be like somehow, I don't know, hurting yourself in the long run. But I'm just looking for suggestions um, on how you guys handle this. So if you've got a strategy, please let us know. Uh, because I think regardless of, you know, the strategy and all of that sort of stuff, like we just have to stop consuming the brainless content, the obviously the evil content, the depraved content that we see so often, because I don't think humans are made to handle it. I don't think we were designed to handle that. Again, I think it's the tree of the knowledge of good of evil, good and evil. That was God loving us, protecting us from the evil that only he's capable of really handling. We aren't capable of handling it. Um, and I don't even think we're capable of handling the news media that we uh, consume. I don't think we as people are designed to be able to handle this 24-hour fire hose of information. Mm-hmm. Um, we just can't. We are, you know, the idea of multitasking, I think, is largely a myth that somehow we can be great multitaskers. No, I think there may be a handful of people in the world whose brains can do that. By and large, you're just doing a lot of things poorly. You're not really excelling. I don't think we're designed that way. Um, And then you add into that just how wicked and depraved most of it is. And it just darkens the heart, darkens the soul. I just don't think we're designed to handle it. I mean, so much depravity, so much perversion, so much vileness. And it makes perfect sense as you start you know, piling all of this stuff onto your soul, just as you're scrolling through your social media day after day after day, it makes perfect sense why our faith is just falling away in droves in this nation. You know, we're losing faith in large numbers in this nation. We have, you know, suicides are high in this nation, makes perfect sense when you fill your soul with depravity. And then, you know, how many people are increasingly becoming more like mentally shaken, mentally unstable, mentally Mm -hmm. broken, which is, you know, leading to like um, high drug use, high alcohol use. We've got LGBTQ um, gender issues exploding across this nation. You know, I just don't think we can take in what we take in on a daily basis and have our souls be well. I don't think we can. Um, We're not told to do that again. We're told to meditate and think on the heavenly. And we've exchanged that for the hellish and it makes mm-hmm. sense why our souls and our lives become more broken. So mm-hmm. please let us know your strategies because we don't have a lot on our own. Um, so what or how should we pray about it? Because uh, we should pray about everything as, as Christians. Um, but I think this, again, is another part of the social media problem that's sort of sweeping our nation, and especially the Christians in this nation. Um, this is kind of one of the disastrous consequences of social media, you know, in bygone eras, you know, decades ago, 
a lot of our free time might be time when we're thinking about scripture or we're going to God in prayer, which is what we're commanded to do. Um, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Do you want to read that? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Yeah, so we should be praying at all times, but we don't do that because as soon as there's a moment of downtime, our phones are out, right? And we're just scrolling through. So rather, you know, than sitting in the doctor's office for 10 or 15 minutes waiting for your name to be called, where you could be maybe meditating on scripture like we're told to do, praying about whatever is in your your mind, whatever God's laid on your heart in that moment, just pull your phone out. Watch a dude get hit by a truck, watch Mr. Beast eat a bowl of cereal, and there's no time for a prayer anymore, right? You're just filling your mind with senselessness, um, and we shouldn't be doing that as Christians. Um, So I would say we need to pray that we're not addicted to the constant stimulation anymore, because it's hard. I mean, if you've been people that have tried to just go to a doctor's appointment and just sit in the waiting room for 30 minutes or so and just sit there, it's difficult when you know that there's something that can stimulate your brain right there in your pocket. All you got to do is pull it out and, you know, it's difficult. This is probably why time seems to be going fast in the, and we talked about the days being cut short. Well, I don't really take it that way. It's literal, but time goes by fast as it is. And we use our phones to kill time. We complain we don't have enough time to do things. But we want time to go fast when we're in a situation, even when we're at home and we could be doing the things we know we should be doing, we kill time. We just want to be entertained. We want to, it's like we want to be, it's like you don't really want to be alive when you think about it. It's like, do you want to live or not? You just want to be entertained. You just want to be, you'd be fine being a vegetable, like just being someone who can't move at all and just have a screen in front of your face. Yeah, like even that saying killing time is almost a shameful um, thing to say or think about when our days are so few as it is and our time is so short as it is. And you're like, oh, I just got to kill time till something else happens. Uh, we as Christians should not be people that kill time. We should be utilizing our time that God's given us. It's a gift. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, we should pray that we would resist that pull of social media. And also, I would say the news media. Uh, and really just somehow this desire of like, I got to be a person in the know. I need to know what's going on. Um, no, let's know the Bible, right? Who cares about what the soap opera in Washington is and the political actors that are there, what they're doing, who cares? Uh, we do far more good caring for our families, far more good caring for our neighborhoods, for our churches. So let's just pray that, you know, at the very least, we'd be people that would be focused there, that our, you know, concerns would be there. So again, we're looking for solutions. Um, If you have some, please let us know. But um, that's the ones we have off the top of our head. Social media is, it's dangerous. I think we've all felt that we're actually serious enough to sit down and think about it. Think about the things we've allowed ourselves to see, um, the thoughts we've had from what we've seen. I think there's probably some repentance that needs to go on there and then some prayer. So do you have anything 
Uh, any more thoughts, I guess, on social media as we look to end this section and move on to our Bible topic? Anything else about our callous hearts that we've... Uh... We can go on and on about that. No, let's get on to our Bible topic because we don't discuss it every week anyway. Yeah, so we will, again, please let us know in the comments. Send us an email if you got some strategies because um, we need them. Just like everybody else, we need them. But we'll move on here and get into our Bible topic. So um, our discussion has been for a long time now. We're still working through Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin. And we think this is a very important discussion to be had, one that is often overlooked in America, which is just sin generally, right? We're a nation that oddly enough, seems to be sinning more and more, yet we discuss it less and less, uh, even in the church, which is probably why we sin more and more. Um, maybe we talked about it more, we wouldn't do it so often. But we're, again, Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin, will be linked down in the show notes. Highly recommend you go pick it up. It's Each chapter is fairly short, easy to read through, and it's great discussion topics, I would say, maybe for like a family Bible study. So today we're in chapter 14 which is titled Sin's Manipulation. Mm -hmm. And if you guys want to get caught up on the first 13 chapters, um, we do have a playlist on YouTube. You can go find those and give them a listen. Again, I think it's highly important to have these discussions. But um, today, like I said, Sin's Manipulation. That's what we're going to be um, talking about. So Jones, he opens this chapter here defining what manipulation is. He says, manipulation is a form of control arising out of our sin nature emerges the desire to be in control, which often involves wielding power over other others, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally. Um, so that's what manipulation is. And this, of course, is something that we all have done and probably continue to do. You know, we do it from very early childhood. And I thought, you know, as reading this, I was like, that's something that we can see as evidence of our sin nature, that original sin. You know, just think of your young daughter or whatever from her earliest, earliest ages, right? Throwing a temper tantrum in the store because she wants to get something. That's manipulation. They're trying to manipulate you to get something. Um, my phone's going off. My alarm. It's time to get up, I suppose. I don't know. But mm -hmm. right, that to me is a sin nature problem that we see from a very early age. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can see this with the physical as well, right? Think about your young kids, you know, hitting each other because they want something or because you took something. Like, they're trying to manipulate you in a sense to give them what they want. So they're going to hit you. They're going to throw a temper tantrum, all these sorts of things. Um, this sinful desire to manipulate people to our own ends and our own benefits is just part of our nature. We're born with it. Everyone has it. Um, mm -hmm. So again, it's something we need to wrestle with, right? We can't just go, well, everyone does it. No, no. Um, it's a sin. It needs to be repented of. Um, and it doesn't even have to be something overtly like sinful, I would say, to be sort of manipulation and therefore a sin, you know, Um I don't know, like, you know, manipulating somebody or something. Think maybe of like a con man or whatever happens to be. If 
probably more sinful, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that, I guess, overt to be still sinful. Um, Hmm. I think we can still manipulate people, even if we think it's from a place of love or compassion that we're trying to manipulate them. Um, And Jones writes about this. He says, um, manipulation occurs in the harmful influence we exercise on others, sometimes thinking that our intentions and how we carry them out are righteous. And he goes on here saying, in the desire to maintain control, we end up sinfully and selfishly using tactics such as coercion, trickery, lying, complaints, mind games, denial, fake kindness, exaggeration, accusations, murderous threats, comparisons, blame shifting, guilt tripping, playing dumb, ridicule, insults, and the dreaded silent treatment just to name a few. So one I would even add in here that he didn't add in, um, one that I think we see increasing rapidly in our society is victimhood or the victim mentality. I think Mm -hmm. this is a form of manipulation used to sort of threaten people. It threatens businesses. We even see it threaten politicians in a sense. You know, everybody nowadays has a claim on victimhood as long as it suits them you know, or it benefits them. And that's a form of sinful manipulation. So I think there's a lot of ways that we manipulate people. And again, you know, even, you know, kind of thinking of some of these, like the silent treatment, Mm -hmm. you get in an argument with somebody and you give them the silent treatment. And you're doing that because you're trying to like manipulate them to come and apologize to you or to do whatever it is you guys were arguing about you're trying to manipulate them rather than being honest and having just a discussion with them. It's, I'm I'm not talking to you until you do what I want. Yeah, and a lot of this is just, you know, you, you can just go past all this stuff if we just humble ourselves and get to the point, just communicate with people. It's like a lot of this is because we're afraid of rejection, so we try to go about things a different way. Um, a lot of this is just stems from pride. Um, yeah, looking at the heart of it, like I haven't really taken the time yet to really look at each one of these he's listed and like we can easily see it in others. It's easier to see in other people because we hold on to offenses more than anything. Um, so just looking ourselves in the mirror with these is very important. Well, right. Um, And that's with every one of these chapters we discuss and even the social media posts, stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is look your own, look at your own life. This affects all of us. And same thing with manipulation here. Because again, we've all done this. We've all probably done all of these to some degree, maybe not murderous thoughts, but I guess if you've been angry in your heart, Christ said you've yeah. committed murder already, right? So we've all done these in our own lives for sure. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with some ladies at my Bible study the other day. Um, one of them brought up, I can't remember what our topic was, but we were talking about um, toxic people and how in the church now we're like toxic Christians, like an excuse to to not have to fellowship with people. Um, but when we <laughs> you look at this list and you're like, wow, I'm pretty toxic. <laughs> we're all toxic. We're all sinful. Um, so just to 
just a thing to bring up the whole, um, we're all like, it's just, it, it kind of bugged me. I said, no, that's a cultural thing that we've brought into the church. We, cause we just had the sermon on Sunday about loving our enemies, um, whether they're toxic by your definition or not, love is active, not passive. Um, so if we don't want to be manipulative, um, yeah, this is, I don't know, just convicting me. <laughs> no, it's good. Like, and I realize how manipulative I am in my mind, like the silent treatment. But if you love others, you're going to just move past that and reconcile or just communicate and be honest with whatever it is, whatever the argument was or whatever it is, you're just trying to get somebody to to do what you want. Um yeah, yeah, it's I, a lot to think on. It really is. And I mean, we wouldn't have to be taught about forgiveness. And yeah. We wouldn't have to be commanded to love our neighbors and our enemies if it's not something that we struggle to do, you know? I um, think just recognizing it in ourselves is we don't so have to be commanded important. commanded to eat ice cream. We all want yeah. to eat ice cream, right? That's not like, hard to do. Yeah, we wouldn't even bring up uh, the whole topic of stay away from those those toxic people. Um because we would just look at ourselves. We would be like, well, I'm just as bad as them. I yeah. really am. If you're honest, you'd be like, you telling us to distance ourselves from people is pretty toxic. Yeah, that <laughs> Again, is... Again, not to like yeah. separate yourself from sin that others might repent, but this, other, this whole idea of like, well, those Christians are toxic. Okay, um, you know, I don't think that's right. And, you know, Jones kind of makes the point in here that uh, manipulation is the very essence of not loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. He says manipulation tramples the command to love your neighbor. Mm. And I would certainly agree with that, right? Because if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, then I don't want somebody to manipulate me to get what they want. So why would I manipulate them to get what I want? I wouldn't want them to do it to me. So yeah. why would I do it to them? Um, and kind of like what Nikki was saying, one of the most shameful um, aspects of manipulation. It's just something we do most frequently to those that are closest to us or those that we're supposed to love the most, you know, our friends or our family. Um, Jones writes in here, he says, in a rather sinister manner, we feel safer acting this way in a more established relationship. And marriage is what comes to my mind when I read this, mm -hmm. um, especially when Jones is writing about how we manipulate you know, the blame shifting, the guilt tripping, the silent treatment, like we mentioned. These are all sort of tactics that we use a lot in marriage, right? To sort of manipulate our spouses to get the end result, whatever the end result is that we want. And it's sinful and it's incredible just how willing that we are, um, even as believers, to manipulate our spouses. You know, the person that you swore, you took an oath to before God to mm -hmm. love and cherish and all this, but <clears throat> just how easily and how quickly we'll go to the manipulation to get whatever we want. It's an argument. It's uh, whatever it happens to be. Manipulate. And it is weird, the human nature of that, how, you know, most of us wouldn't, you know, we don't treat our enemies the same way we treat our friends and family, mm. you know, or complete strangers, right? We're far more gracious and all these sorts of things to people we have no idea who they are. True. But with, you know, I mean, that's why marriages fall apart, right? Because we start treating them probably worse than we treat anybody else, our spouses, when we should be treating them better than everybody. 
Um, That's true. So definitely, I'm sure if you're married, probably have some repenting to do over some manipulation you've done in the past. Um, because you know, someone, you know that a person cares about you and they're going to um, do what you're trying to get them to do. But why manipulate somebody if you know they love you and they want what's best for you? It is so twisted, isn't it? Yeah, it's very bizarre. Um, and also, too, like most people aren't complete idiots. They know when you're manipulating them. So it's almost like, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like, I want you to do something for me, which I know if you love me, you'll probably do. But maybe because you weren't just like completely forthcoming and doing it, I'm going to manipulate you. And you know, I'm manipulating you. So you're going to think poorly about me, (laughs) but then you're going to do it begrudgingly. Like, it's a very twisted way that we wind up getting to the places that we get to. Um, Yeah, Uh, just sin in the heart, the sin in the heart of man. Um, But it is important to make a difference here. And Jones does make this difference in this chapter the difference between manipulation and persuasion Mm. Uh, because they are different. And I think the big difference is the heart issue, the heart issue behind why you're doing what you're doing, you know, because you as a parent, right? Like you may try to persuade your kid to ride a bike when they're afraid of riding it because they'll fall off and get hurt. So maybe you're persuading them by telling them all the reasons that they should overcome their fear, uh, you know, their fears of riding a bike and I would say that that sort of flows from a heart of love for your kid, right? Um, you know that they would enjoy riding a bike. You've seen other kids, you know, that sort of thing. So you're persuading them. Whereas manipulation comes far more from a place of selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, persuasion, I think, is generally for someone else's benefit. And manipulation is for your own benefit, yep. I think, is the big difference. That is it. You know, I think about like, you know, maybe your pastor at your local church who's preaching on tithes and offerings because there's blessings that attach that are attached to you know giving tithes and offerings to the lord so he's you know preaching to you about that i think and you may even say trying to persuade you persuade you by the word of god here's what it says so you should be doing it that's a far different thing you know than like Mm. you know we kind of joke on here a lot the 90s televangelist prophet kind of the huckster who's telling you to give them their money um, so he can go buy a new jet, you know, kind of a thing. Like there's a difference there between persuading you to do something for your own benefit, Mm -hmm. giving money to the church because God will bless you and manipulating you to send money to me so that I can live a more lavish life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of... There's ways we try to manipulate God. Oh, of Um, course. I mean, along that line, like, you know, instead of being a cheerful giver and expecting nothing in return we give because we believe we'll be blessed back by god and how many people have given just not expecting anything i know you know the verse you know test me in this and see if i won't you know open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing and there's no room to whatever it is it's overflowing. So people probably just give because they think they'll receive back from God in this life, but our rewards are supposed to be stored up in heaven. Um, I'd rather have it be an eternal reward than 
a temporary reward. Well, I see saw this a lot. I felt like at the jail, you know, and that's where you get the term the jailhouse religion. It's almost like they're trying to manipulate God. You know, look, Lord, I'm reading your word. I'm going to Bible study. So I'm going to get some favor in the courtroom, right? I'm going to get out of here early, right? And it's almost like they're trying to twist God's arm. I'm doing the things you told me to do. So you're going to bless me, right? And then the second they get out or the uh, the verdict doesn't go the way they want, well, they stop showing up to Bible study. They're not reading anymore. You know, all those sorts of things. So yeah, we're trying to manipulate God. And, mm. you know, manipulation, you know, it goes back to the very beginning. Um, and you could say in many respects, I mean, it's part, basically like, that's how we were led into the first sin, you know, in Genesis 3 chapter or Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. Um, and he talks in here, it says, uh, the serpent saying to Eve, right? You shall not, or he says, Indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Um, and then you go down to like verse 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from your uh, eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He manipulated Eve, right? He was manipulating her for his own ends. Um, which is why Jones points out in this chapter, he says, Since the fall, we all by nature have been both the subjects and perpetrators of such satanic manipulation. And I think that's the way we should look at it, though I don't think we look at it that way very often. It's satanic. Manipulating others, not persuading, but manipulating people is satanic, as all sin is satanic, yet we fail to recognize it as such. Mm. Um, so we should recognize when we're manipulating somebody, um, mm. that's far more the children of Satan than the children of God. So, you know, what should we do about manipulation? You know, I think first we need to recognize it in our own lives. Like I said, you know, you're in that married relationship, whatever happens to be, you need to recognize it. And um, I think manipulation here, just like everything else, we're really quick to see um, and quick to point out the sins uh, and the flaws in others while overlooking the same flaws and sins in ourselves. So it's easy to see, you know, manipulation being done to you or whatever, but it's a lot harder for us to see and come to grips with the manipulation we use towards others. You know, this is like the perfect plank in the eye kind of scenario here. Um, so we need to um, weigh our interactions carefully. Um, and we need to weigh them in light of God's commands to us and how we interact with others and deal with others, get things we want, you know, sacrifice things we want, maybe uh, because just just wanting something doesn't make getting it by any means somehow right and acceptable, mm -hmm. even if it's a good thing, right? I mean, if you're, you know, want to reconcile your relationship with your husband or wife, so you're going to somehow try to manipulate them into something, it's still not right. I mean, truth and honesty is the right way to go about those things. Yeah, and if we want something from God, he says, ask and you'll receive. But if you don't receive, it's because you ask with the wrong intentions to, to be selfish with it. So right there, like we don't even have to manipulate God, but we, he's not going to give us something that's bad for us, but we try to manipulate him 
um, to get what we want, I guess. Yeah, we shouldn't. We have to recognize, you know, search our own hearts for those things, um, why we're doing what we're doing. And so, you know, we need to guard ourselves against it, but against being manipulative, but we also need to guard ourselves against being manipulated, I think. Um, and this doesn't just go for like simple personal interactions. What about with our, I know, I just want to bring up an idea I just thought of like how we let our kids manipulate us. Like maybe you don't want them to do a certain thing. They've asked, we said no, but then they start doing extra chores and, you know, just being nicer to their siblings. And we think, oh, well, we should, they're being so good. Maybe, maybe they deserve it. And we're being manipulated when we start thinking they earn something when we at first said no. Like, is, right. does God work that way? If he says no at first, the answer should stay no, no matter what we do. Like, if you think you have to earn it, you shouldn't have it. No, and we should, you know, we don't do people favors by letting them get away with manipulating us. Especially right. when we know they're manipulating us because we're just building in habit patterns that, mm-hmm. yes, when you sin against other people, you get what you want. Isn't that wonderful? Right? I mean, it's kind of, it goes back to the social media. Hey, why do people make these ridiculous comments and videos about people dying? Because they've been rewarded for it. Mm. So why wouldn't they, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to guard against allowing ourselves to be manipulated. And this doesn't, you know, obviously there's the kids, the personal interactions, but I would say it goes for everything because we're manipulated endlessly all day long by everything, by everyone, it seems like, you know, and we call it like marketing in our society today, but it's manipulation for the most part. And it's everywhere. I mean, you go back to doctors recommending cigarettes, right? This is a doctor recommended cigarette. So go buy it and smoke it. You know, you got shameful, I would say like the health food marketing you know, everything's a superfood, everything's a health food, everything's a this or that. It's all manipulation to get you to buy their product. It's everywhere. It's everything. So we need to be aware that people are trying to manipulate us and guard against that. And maybe even you should be so bold as to call it out when you see it. Hey, stop manipulating me. You know, I know why you're doing the chores. I want you to do chores, but you're not doing them just so I'll go and buy you a bike or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, consider Christ's interactions, right? We mm-hmm. talked about the Apostle Paul. We should be imitators of him as he imitates Christ. That's our. That's what we are looking to be. There was no coercion in Christ. There was just honest and sometimes brutally honest truth, right? Um, and the same goes for the way that he received information. He wasn't allowing himself to be manipulated. And you know, I thought of the verse in Matthew chapter 22, uh, chapter 22, when he's talking to the Sadducees and then, you know, they're asking him that super like convoluted, uh, story about marriage and, you know, what first brother dies and this, you know, and then they're like, well, who's she married to in heaven? And Jesus doesn't play their game down in verse 29. He says, you are mistaken not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. He didn't allow them to manipulate. He didn't play their game. He simply said, yeah, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. You don't understand the scriptures, so let me explain to you the scriptures, right? And he didn't get manipulated. He called them on their manipulation, and then he spoke the truth to them. Um, 
And I think that's the way we should strive to be in our own lives, not allow ourselves to be manipulated and, you know, call it out when we see it, I think, which it's not going to help you, you know, win friends and influence people necessarily by being that sort of person, but it will help you live righteously before God, um, which in a weird turn of events will probably help you to be a person who influences rightly Mm -hmm. uh, other people. So that's something we need to be doing. Stop manipulating people, repent for when you have, and then try to recognize it in your own life and don't allow it to be done to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. So uh, in closing here on this topic of the sin of manipulation, Jones writes, the cure for manipulation is to look to God and Christ, who reveal to us that manipulation is the way of the devil. The gospel is anti-manipulation. And of course it is, right? Because, you know, Christianity is not a religion that can be coerced or forced Mm -hmm. on people. You can't accept Christ at the barrel of a gun. Um, You know, you have to come to God truthfully Mm -hmm. on your own. Um, It's an individual salvation. So there's no manipulating there. But Mm -hmm. do you have any final thoughts on the sin of manipulation before we get into our recommended listening. Nope. So our recommended listening for today is a podcast. It's a couple years old now, but it's should Christians be on social media? It's like a question that Paul David Tripp got. So he's discussing Christians in social media. It's only about 18 minutes long. And he brings up some good points in there. I mean, things that it's not necessarily revolutionary, but just things that he dealt with and wrestled with in his own life as somebody who, again, you know, he makes content. He obviously has a podcast and stuff. So he's on social media and just how should we deal with it? How should Christians handle it? And again, we've had, we should have been wrestling with this for a very long time. Um, We still need to wrestle with this, figure out how to use it effectively um, guard ourselves against the perversion and the depravity of it and all that sort of stuff. So that's all we got for today. Um, please be in prayer for us, um, about our decision here to stay in Albuquerque. We really need some help, um, making the the best decision there for just our life and our kids and all of that. Please pray for us there. And, uh, please pray that clear, Clarus Conference um, is beneficial to our souls. And then we will be back next Saturday with whatever the world throws at us. Um, We'll be continuing on for the rest of the week here or the rest of the month, I'm sorry, on YouTube, again, social media, but just looking at reformer quotes, you know, um, as we make our way towards Reformation Day on October 31st. So come join us there if you'd like to hear some great quotes from uh, former godly men of the Reformation era. But that's all we got. We'll see you guys next Saturday. God bless.